Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast, where we share stories about those who have fought to overcome addiction. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the latest stories, tools, and tricks to sobriety. Now, here's your host, Brock Bevel. Welcome again to Chase the Vase podcast. I'm so excited we got this going. I'm here with Danielle Gregorich. Hey, thank you for your patience. I'm jacked for this now. Oh my gosh, we had a fight to get to this place. So, man, but this is the life, right? Totally. There is no difference, and it has to be this way to have a good podcast, right? For sure. Just roll with the punches, whatever. And talking about rolling with the punches, I'm going to segue that way right into you. You have rolled with some serious punches. Yeah, like a lot. You know, most people my age, um, just the health shit I've gone through. It's just it's still to this day, like I tell my story and I'm like, how have I made it this far in life? And I'm still standing, you know, I, I've survived multiple suicide attempts and I am a kidney cancer survivor. I'm a multiple stroke survivor and um, it's wild. But I look at you, Danielle, and I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see that. Is that hard for people to understand and grasp? And thank you for asking that because, you know, it is. And I'll, especially doctors, you know, I had to fight to be heard, especially with medical professionals because they see the outside. And, you know, I know how to, you know, make this face look pretty and, you know, hide my emotions because, you know, that's what we alcoholics do. You know, a lot of my serious health issues went honestly really undetected. I had always had a really, really high resting heart rate, like really high. 120 was like my normal. I would get out of bed and my heart rate would be, you know, 120 beats per minute. The doctors basically said, you know, my entire life until I was 34, you know, you're just a really high, strong, passionate, you know, anxiety riddled woman. So, you know, basically here's a pill. This will fix you. Goodbye. And I, they honestly, for real, they had me convinced like, maybe I'm just crazy. Like, I don't know because I couldn't verbalize or articulate how I was feeling because it was something that was honestly indescribable because my my heart started racing like uncontrollably. And so what that did was made my voice start racing. So it was just kind of show. And I was just like, I just shut down. I knew that I wasn't going to be heard. I wasn't going to be understood. So I just, you know. rolled with it. And it was really difficult. Truly. You struggled with alcohol addiction. Yeah. Did you have any other addictions that followed that? You know, so I started drinking in seventh grade and, you know, I come from an alcoholic background, long history. And so, you know, alcohol was mainly my big thing with, you know, some white substances presented themselves and whatever game on, you know, and, but it's really baffling to me. Like I did cocaine, you know, multiple occasions, but I never woke up like the next day after, you know, being high on Coke. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that again. Never. I was like, I feel disgusting, gross. Like, I don't want to do that. But you know, and I never sought it, which is shocking to me. But um, 
you know, alcohol was my love, loved it. And how much time, Danielle, do you have sober today? I have a little over three years. Yeah. So, so what are you doing with your sobriety? My sobriety has really kind of blossomed. When I first got sober, I wanted to remain the most anonymous person that had ever gotten sober. Like that was my plan. And, you know, and to be honest, it wasn't so much about, you know, be being shameful and whatever. I just didn't want to let anybody else down because I had been letting people down my whole life. So I didn't want to disclose that, you know, I was getting sober because let's be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of faith in myself that this would work this time. You know, that was in March of 2018. That's when I walked into the rooms like in, I just couldn't do it anymore. And there was no big thing that happened. There was, you know, no, my husband didn't threaten divorce. You know, my kids weren't taken. I just couldn't do it. I suffered a massive stroke shortly into my sobriety journey. And that stroke, basically, it taught me what true humility really is. And so as soon as that stroke hit, like, I was like, oh, shit, you know, I've got to disclose this secret, you know, I've been keeping did your husband know how bad the addiction was? Oh, yeah. He knew it. Totally. And, you know, he's a cop in the Air Force. So, like, thinking that, like, I can hide that from a cop, yeah, no, didn't work out well. You know, this is a family disease, obviously. And so, you know, he was really, really sick as well. You know, I don't think he comprehended that at the time. But, you know, the longer I stay sober, he's able to kind of really reflect on the fact that, you know, he was basically just trying to survive like I was. And so, you know, he couldn't crumble and fall apart because we have two kids and somebody needs to be the adult. And thank God, you know, he stepped in and did it with so much grace and so much compassion. But like he knew, like I was bad, but you know, I didn't go and, you know, spend life savings buying, you know, alcohol. I would literally just walk into the stores and just take what I wanted and walk out. So he didn't see, you know, things on the bank account, like, oh shit, she spent this money. Cause I did like beer runs, like a 34 year old. Never got caught. It's shocking to me. Very many close calls. We'll say who's going to think, you know, a pretty, you know, girl is just going to, you know, walk out with a a shit ton of booze and nobody's going to think that. So, you know, this pretty face really um, kept me in my disease for longer than it should have. Got it. When you said your husband, I because I I work with first responders all the time. So I want to ask a question. Hopefully I'm just going to segue into what you said that your husband was sick as well. Yeah. What was he going through this while you were going through it? you know, I still to this day don't know. He was able to, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, he has been in the military for over 20 years. And so like, I think they're taught how to completely detach. Um, And so I feel like that's what he did. And the best thing that he did for me personally is that he never gave me an ultimatum. He never said, you know, you need to go to AA or you need to go to rehab or you need to go get help. Never once. And I know that sounds like, oh, he was enabler, but he wasn't at all. The biggest blessing that he gave me is the fact that he allowed God to work in my life organically and he stayed out of the way. Still to this day, I don't know how he did it, but he did. And I'm forever deeply indebted because he did that. 
So how did you get sober? You know, it's so random. Friday, March 9th of 2018, I had gotten into a hit and run and like nobody died. It wasn't like this big contract, whatever. But during this particular hit and run, because this wasn't my first time, the guy taped me. So he was filming me and he took that film evidence to the police station a little bit afraid because I'd never really been kind of caught in that kind of aspect. And so I was like, I got to do something like this isn't gonna end well. And, you know, I just can't do it anymore. It's not fun. And so I decided to um, order myself an Uber and I walked into a meeting and the very first day I met my sponsor and she just kind of embraced me and I had this weird connection and I was able to trust her and I'm not a woman that trusts other women period so the fact that you know I was so broken and so desperate enough I was willing to kind of you know follow along and do it somebody else's way you know I wish I had some sort of really profound words and why I got sober what happened? I don't. It just happened. So what was some good advice early on that your sponsor gave you that you grabbed onto? You're like, yes, I like this. Right. So, you know, the biggest thing that, and probably the only suggestion I really followed is I did not make any major changes in the first year because I was like off the rails. Like my brain was just crazy. And so you know, she really made sure like, you need to love your husband, you need to love your kids, you just need to, you know, put all of your time and effort into there. And I went to so many meetings. And she didn't say, Oh, you need to do 90 and 90. She didn't tell me anything like that. And for that, I'm really grateful to, she would have made that suggestion, knowing me, I'm not doing meeting at all. But I ended up doing I want to say like two to three meetings a day. Sometimes, you know, I spend the majority of my first 18 months either in a meeting or in a doctor's office. That was my journey. And so I was just kind of keeping my head above water and it sucked. So when you <laughs> said no major changes, we're talking, you can't get divorced. You can't get remarried again. You can't yep. quit your job. What other kind of things did she recommend? You know, and she was because I had been a stay at home mom. And so like, as soon as I got sober, I'm like, you know, I should get a job, I should start working, you know, I and so and then I'm like, you know, I should divorce my husband, I should just start fresh, I should move like all these crazy things. And she just, you know, kind of reeled me back in. She's like, let's just take it easy. And, um, and I did. And, you know, my marriage wasn't healthy in the beginning at all. And actually, if I'm honest, it actually got vastly worse as soon as I got sober. It usually and, does. Yeah. It got like tremendously worse. And I hadn't even had sex sober ever. I started drinking in seventh grade. And so here I am, you know, a mom and a wife and I'm like, basically, you know, a 12 year old kid and I don't know how to do anything. It was miserable. I mean, honestly, miserable. There was no happy, joyous, and free. No pink cloud. There was nothing. It was straight miserable. So your first year, tell me about your struggles and 
and these <laughs> obstacles that you had? What was it? It was just never ending. It was one thing after another. You know, the first thing that happened is I had the stroke. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, don't you see what I'm doing here? Like, I'm trying to do right things. So that was, you know, the biggest obstacle. The next thing, my husband found my fourth step. That was not a very pretty picture whatsoever. We found out some information that was kind of life altering with that fourth step. And uh, I just, the kids just kept coming. They just kept coming. And I just didn't understand why my life got so much more difficult as soon as I got sober. Mm. And the only thing that I truly, in all honesty, the other thing I listened to is, you know, don't quit before the miracle. Don't quit. You said this before when you sent me some information. What is the other than sobriety? Because you're telling me all how hard it is, right? And I'm so glad because people need to hear this. People are like, well, I need to get sober. And they have no idea. They think no. it's going to be joyous and wonderful. And it's rough, especially that first year. So when you say don't, you say wait out for that miracle. Other than sobriety, because that is the miracle, what Absolutely. else is there? You know, for me, the biggest miracle that happened is that I was able to wake up. And I don't even remember when it happened. I know it was probably after I had probably like 20 months sober around there. And I woke up and I didn't dread that I woke up. That makes sense because I had spent about 22 years of my life waking up, doing a groundhog stay, just wishing that I was dead. I just did. I just couldn't do life. Even sober, I could not do life. I couldn't have that joy and that happiness that I I saw other people have. And I didn't, I thought they were like unicorns. I didn't get it. And then all of a sudden it happened to me and I'm like, Oh, this is what they're talking about. And you know, that miracle happened as soon as I started kind of living out my purpose, that is really where things kind of turned around. So I started, you know, helping other people. And I started to not only think about myself and all of these like super cliche kind of ridiculous things that seemed so petty and not important, but they meant the world to me, like the world. I'm having so many questions. Did you ever feel like, I remember early on, I don't even know. I mean, it was through the process, I can say that, that I felt undeserving of the joy that I was experiencing, like the happiness. And I, I remember physically looking around going, are you for real right now? Like waiting for the bottom to drop out. Yeah. That like gives me chills all over because it's weird because I was able to, I felt comfortable when things were awful. That really felt comfortable. But when life started getting good and when I started to experience that happiness, I mean, and still to this day, it does. And not that I don't feel like I'm deserving, but, you know, just looking back on my history, I just am anticipating another bomb to go off. So like, and I don't know if that's the right way to live, but for me, it keeps me grounded and it keeps me grateful because I enjoy my good days because I don't know when they're going to stop. I love that. I want to get a little personal with you because we've experienced some very similar moments. And my question is, why did you choose 
to attempt the suicide before sobriety? So the the last one that occurred, and this is going to sound really bizarre. So we had just moved into this beautiful home in in Gilbert, Arizona. It's I still live here today, and it's beautiful. And I couldn't feel that happiness, but I couldn't explain to my husband how miserable I was. And I felt that if I come to him and say like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. We had just bought a new house that most unhappiest I'd ever been in my entire life. And it was in December of 2016. And my husband decided he came home from work one day and was like, you know, we're going to go and get a Christmas tree. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do the Christmas tree. You guys can go. I'm going to kill myself. And that was my plan because simply, and it sounds so trivial now, but I couldn't at that point put on the fake happy smile anymore. I couldn't do it. And so, uh, you know, my husband loaded the kids up in the truck and they went to go get the Christmas tree and all of a sudden the truck wouldn't start. And so my husband had to come back in to the house and he found me lifeless and dead on the floor. I woke up in the hospital and I was pissed. Like, how can I not properly kill myself? What a loser. Like, that was my first thought. Like, are you serious? And, you know, it wasn't the fact that I think if alcohol would have continued to work at that point in time, there would have been no suicide attempts. If alcohol was doing what it used to do, I wouldn't have wanted to take my life. But when your only solution stops working, what's there to live for? What was alcohol doing? It really just, it helped me to sit in my skin momentarily comfortably. That comfort lasts, you know, briefly, but it did. That was the only thing that worked to help me. And it helped to lower my heart rate. And it literally, it kind of dumbed it down. So I felt like, okay, I'm not going to die I can do this for another day, for another day. But, you know, alcohol stops working and it does. And, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of people in recovery if alcohol didn't stop working. If it did, you bet your ass I'd still be drinking. Let's be real. So, Danielle, you you made a valid point. You said once you found your purpose, your ability to recover became easier. Tell me today, what's your purpose today? My purpose today is to tell my story raw and authentically in hopes to inspire somebody to continue on another day. I don't feel like I have any words of wisdom or I have the power to help somebody get sober because I'm just not that powerful. But I know from experience, I read what other people wrote people who I knew who are brave enough to recover out loud on social media, who told their story without shame. And because of their bravery, that's why I'm sober today. And it sounds so, so small, but I can't tell you how many women have approached me and have thanked me relentlessly. I can't believe you feel exactly how I feel. So talk to me about how, because I found you on social media as well. We connected on social media. I really love your vibe. I love how you're always pushing sobriety, how you're living out loud. And for me, talking about it, you know, you started off and the culture of AA is to be very quiet. Anonymity, 
portion, like, hey, what you hear, you can talk about. And I mm-hmm. totally agree that. But I think it's killing us. Absolutely. As a people in recovery, the element of being quiet, not talking about it, not sharing your story is killing us. And so I appreciate the fact that you are exposing your past, exposing what you're going through, being authentic. I really do appreciate that because I'm going through that right now with people. And they ask me all the time, why do you talk about that? Why would you share that part of your life? Because there's other people going through it and they need to hear it, that it's okay to talk about. It is just so important for me. You know, I come from a history or a, a long family line of secret keepers. You know, you are not allowed to disclose anything in public. None of this shit is allowed to leave the house. My health history proves that those secrets were keeping me sick, period, point blank. So I am not willing to carry those secrets. I'm not willing to carry that trauma in order to help somebody feel comfortable in their secret. I'm not. It's just not worth it to me. And I have two children. I don't want for them to feel like they have to carry my secrets, how I'm in recovery. I own that. So when, you know, they tell their friends, oh, my mom's sober. It's not like, why did you tell Johnny that? No, dude, I'm sober and I'm proud, dude. And if I can help another person, why not? So how do we find you? If somebody hears this episode, like, oh man, I got to talk to Danielle. How do you, how do they find you? You can find me on Instagram, one and only DG. It's all spelled out. And you can find me on my website, oneandonlydg.com or um, the other Instagram handle I have is stroke of sobriety and strokeofsobriety.com as well. And so do you do coaching? I haven't gotten into that path, but I mentor people, we'll say. But yeah, I don't have any sort of affiliations and, you know behind my name. Okay. So everybody hear that, go check those out. We've been, we've been lifted. I do want to end with, uh, I know that you're going through it right now. Your, your best friend. She wasn't my best friend. She, uh, was my litter mate. We walked into the rooms, um, almost the exact same time. Oh, right on. Just passed away. And it's tough. 93,000 people in 2020 died of overdose 255 a day. That's 10 an hour. And what's pissing me off is if we had 255 people dying a day in a plane crash, we would make changes. And But the problem is we're throwaway. Nobody wants to take care of an addict because it's a choice, right? That's, right. What, that's what they say. And so we got to do different. We got to be better. This is why I'm talking to you. We at Chase the Vase, we've actually started a, a Take 10 movement. I don't know if you've heard about it. But uh, we're actually taking 10 minutes a day to go make connection with somebody in active addiction. I love that. And so, yeah, pass it on. I mean, we're, we're really trying. We're at the grassroots right now. But nobody's coming to save us, Danielle. Nobody. Nobody. They're not kicking in our door. They're not coming to save us. They're not going to come help us. Like, we have to help each other out through this. Absolutely. And so your voice has been tremendous. I hope people have been elevated and lifted from you. Keep posting on Instagram. Is there anything that you would like to leave with us? My head is just so all over the place. You know, all I can say is that even if you don't think this whole sobriety deal will work for you, just give it a shot. I mean, really, truly, because um, in all honesty, I truly in my heart of hearts believed I was a lost cause. 
And so, you know, this whole sobriety thing was my Hail Mary. You know, if this didn't work, you know, I wanted off this planet. And um, I'm proof that not only does it work, but your life becomes so vastly amazing in ways that I never thought would happen to me. I just didn't think I was one of those people, you know? Thank you. You're totally worth it. You have a great voice. I'm going to tell you to start screaming it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Thank start, you. start, get it out there. Do you want to push it. people to your book, Stroke of, of Sobriety as well? The Essential Daily Guide. So I know we live in the same community. Yeah. We're going to connect because I need to come get a hand signed copy. I'll pay you for it. <laughs> you I, got I need it. a copy. I, I'm serious. This stuff's important to me. Everybody that I podcast with that has the book, I have them sign it. I buy it. Mm. They send it to me. I love that. I want to share their information. So can they find this on Amazon? Yep. It's exclusively um, available on Amazon. I self-published it. I didn't want to sell a whole bunch of, you know, copies. I The only purpose was to help one person. That was it. And if I accomplish that, I can consider myself a success. Embracing the suck of sobriety. I love that in hopes that you'll inspire others. Well, you were doing that, Danielle. Thank, Thank you for you. coming on. And we're going to keep in contact with each other. Thank you for chasing the vase and being on the show. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. You've been listening to Chase the Vase Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts to get new, fresh, weekly episodes. For more information, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or visit our website, chasethevase.com. Until next time, keep chasing the vase.